Thank you for joining us today on the journey towards self-mastery. Our next guest is known as one of the top 10 greatest female athletes of all time. You heard that correct. And the greatest female athlete in Delaware County history. She hails from Chester, Pennsylvania. She was an All-American high school basketball player, an All-American high school track athlete, state champion, and Penn Relays champion. She earned a double scholarship to Temple University for basketball and track. She was an All-American college basketball player who had the second most points in the country in the 1986 to 1987 athletic year. She finished her college career with over 3,000 points on the court. During her time playing professional women's ball in Germany, she averaged 30 points, 15 rebounds, and 10 assists. She went on to pursue her love of mixed martial arts and ascended to the ranks of the best in the world. With a 16-0 record, 15 knockouts, a draw to a male fighter. Her skills earned her the title of the most dangerous woman in the world also known as the female Jack Johnson, as she was the first black woman to ever win a world championship title. She would be a three-time world champion in Muay Thai, three-time champion in Taekwondo. And now I know everybody's saying, you know, what kind of human being is capable of doing all of this? Listen, if you don't believe me, check out her documentary on YouTube, The Most Dangerous Woman. Let's welcome today, Miss Fridia Cheetah Gibbs to the program. Hey, Cheetah, happening? how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me, Mr. G. Yes, 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 yes. Um, pleasure. The pleasure is ours, and we do appreciate you know you taking out the time uh, to come through on the program. We know you're super busy, so definitely appreciate the time. All right. Thanks you know. for having me. Yep. I'll always make time. Indeed. And uh, also, congratulations! You are the first female athlete in Pennsylvania to have a statue. Um, and the first martial artist on the planet um, to have yeah. a statue. Uh, so uh, congratulations on that. That's that's really Thank big, you. man. Thank um, you and much. where can people see the statue that are like interested? Well, um, it's going to be unveiled this year. Um, Phil uh, Demonati and uh, Jennifer uh, Fudowski Petrie, she's the one the sculptor. She's the one who made the statue. Phil's the one who selected me as being uh, one of the great athletes. But to answer your question, where it's going to be in Pennsylvania, they haven't uh, shared that with me yet. So uh, that will be uh, a surprise to me, I guess. Mm, got yeah. it, got it. So we will update people when that is out there. Yeah. I might shoot over Six there myself. statue, that's sweet. That is sweet, man. You know? That That is uh, just, you know, homage to all the, the work that you've done, man. Like you were like a super athlete, like in every sense of the word. We're talking yeah. about basketball, track boxing miss martial arts like everything you turned your hands you know everything you touched turned to gold man so that's that's amazing that's true <laughs> my auntie said the same thing whatever she she's good at everything she does and, and she speaks spanish she learned spanish she's i mean she, my auntie she's a spanish instructor mm. you know, swarthmore i mean and you gotta be brilliant to be a swarthmore you dig <laughs> and when i was went back home she said to her, her grandchildren, she said, that's your cousin, Fridia. She's good at everything she does. 
And I was so surprised to hear that. I mean, it's it's ab- absolute facts. I mean, we didn't even touch on the acting and the modeling yet. I mean, it's all gold, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. That's that's uh that's a gift indeed, man. Black excellence at its best. Yeah, it's it's uh you know I tell people this story. Uh I live a double life. You know how we have our parents, our grandparents, our, you know, our, our dad's moms and our mom's moms. Mm-hmm. Well, I live a double life. And my dad's mom's family, everybody was left-handed. And in my mom's mom's family, everybody was right-handed. Mm. Okay? So what happened was when I went to Germany, they said the same thing. How is it that you are good at everything? So they put all these machines on me and all these crazy things. They had me running on machines. This is the Europeans when I was in Germany. I was like a scientific, <laughs> scientific, uh, you know, anatomy or whatever. It was crazy. And they told me that I'm a rare breed. And what do you mean? Both my right and left hemisphere are, are equally as strong. Wow. So they did they did brain chemistry? Like they they, they, they went, went your brain? Yes. They went <laughs> really hard, everything, you know? Breathing, wow. jumping, vertical. It was crazy because wow. they just wanted to know. That, and, yeah. that is so, interesting, so man. They told me that I was an ambidextrous thinker. Hmm. And there are not many ambidextrous thinkers on this planet. That is interesting. Yeah. So, that is interesting. So there's no there's no difference between the left, the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere. It's all interconnected, man. Yeah. Once you interconnect them, you, you're superhuman. Hmm. You understand? Yes, yes, I do. You know, because you're using a larger part of your brain, more of it. Hmm. If that makes any sense to you. No, it does. It does. It does. Yeah, that, it does? that I mean, it, it explains it all. It explains. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man. That's that's yep. cool, man. So with you, man, it's like we're like talking to a black superhero right now, man. And, you know, when you when you dive into the comics, man, they always got the beginnings, you know, before, you know, they became, they got their superpowers before all of that. So before you got your superpowers and athleticism, you know, what was your life like growing up? I was bullied. Mm. It was negative. From a young child, I was poor, real poor, but we were happily poor, so we didn't know. You know, I was bullied a lot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I, I was uh, chased home a lot from the bullies because I was built like differently from the average girl. I was built like an athlete. And I didn't even know what an athlete was. You know, I'm just a kid. You know. <laughs> so what? What? What age was this? Like all through elementary? Like what? No, what this age? was. Uh, I, I, I'll never forget. It was fourth and fifth grade. Fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. Mm-hmm. You dig? So those are like the beginning of our. That's the beginning of our days. <laughs> you dig? Yeah, man. And yeah. I remember, like in your book, like you were mentioning that, um, you know, one day, like the kids were coming at you on the bus. And you was asking the bus driver to like to let you off, let you off, and they wouldn't do it. And uh, you know, they he let you know like he was gonna stop the bus and open the back wind, a back door or whatever. And he did, and you jetted home like. <laughs> like and then the funny go. part is when you got home, you're dead tired. Like they all chasing you. Your mom's like, you better get your butt back outside. <laughs> oh, dude, I was terrified. I was terrified. Like, are you kidding? I was holding on to her like a cat, hold on to a door or whatever. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I looked outside. All, the whole school bus was out there. But you said when you went outside, you blacked out. Like, did did you really just like black out? Like, you didn't remember? Yeah, it just yeah. I had no. It was it was fear. Listen uh, to me. Listen to me. What my mother did 
You know, my mother was so friggin' awesome. She was tough, but she was awesome. You understand? Mm. And I didn't know that she was prepping me spiritually for the world. You dig? Yeah. Right? I, I didn't understand it then, but I understand it now. What my mother did, she made me face my fears. Do you know mm. when you face your fears on the other side is success? Mm. You did? It is. But it's scary. Absolutely. Especially it's like scary. in today's world, like, you know, nobody's giving people advice, kids advice. So, yo, yo, confront your bully head on, like go in, go head on and confront your bully. Yeah. Like, hey, and yo, I've confront him head on. Look, this is what we're going to do. OK, bully, you want to fight me? This is what we're going to do. First of all, be smart. OK, that's what we're going to do. Let me embrace. And that's what I did, champ. Mm. I got tired of running. So what I did, I embraced my bullies. What is it that y'all want? We want you to do our homework, help us with our homework. So first I started helping them with the homework, right? Mm -hmm. No, and then they wanted me to do their homework. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> so I, I was doing their homework because it was just a lot easier because I didn't want to spend much time with them because their energy was different. Mm -hmm. Even as young kids, you understand? Yeah, yeah. Bullies' energy was negative, even as young kids. But anyway, so I got tired of doing their homework. And then that's when the bullying began again. So what kids need to understand, and this is what they need to be taught it, because I had to be taught it. Mm. They're just kids. Mm -hmm. You understand? Mm -hmm. And parents are only teaching what they're taught, as my mother would say. Right. Right? Absolutely. We're only teaching what we're taught. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Until we until we, we learn more. Exactly. Know? Evolve. Yep. Learn how to self-cultivate. Because mm -hmm. when you self-cultivate, you're pouring it down to your children. Right. Because they're emulating you. You understand? Right. Yep. You're the first king and queen, the household, etc. Hmm. Anyway, so that's just so important. You understand? Absolutely, man. And and I've heard this a lot too from like, you know, your generation. Um, that, you know, you gotta be you gotta confront the bullies, or I've heard people say too that, you know, my bullies saved my life, my bullies created me, my bullies are the reason I do what I do. And, you know, but a lot of kids don't look at it like today, like it's not looked at the same way now like with the bullying um you know no one attacks their bullies it's all you know because we, we we don't want to deal with i guess some of the things that our bullies are saying because we don't want to think about them you know whether they're true or not and how to deal with them and you know and it's it's uh it's really interesting like we just transgress transgress into just a different i guess culture with that you know what do you mean by what bullies are saying how, what do you mean like uh, with the bully, you know, the, the bully challenges like your self-confidence. They challenge your self-esteem. They challenge, you know, they, they get pretty much give you a mirror of yourself and you can smile at it or, you know, you could hate it or be ashamed of it. And typically we're ashamed of it. You know, like for me, like when, when I got bullied and, um, uh -huh. you know, in school coming up, it was the dark skin. You know what I'm saying? Because I was dark skinned and, um, you know, I was Haitian and. You know, all this stuff and um it 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 made you ashamed of being dark skinned of being uh -huh. Haitian like I knew Haitian kids that didn't look like Haitian like that and they would just uh -huh. say like yeah I'm not Haitian because the bullying was just it was an onslaught you know it wasn't uh -huh. cool to be Haitian at that time or right. cool to be dark skinned um right. so eventually over time like I had to really like find in myself like how to get through that how to get over that right and for me it highlighted like parts of me that I love right now. So I can understand when people say like, yo, I really do appreciate the bullies, you know what I'm saying? Because 
those are the, to me, the best parts of myself, like, you know, my, my, my culture and who I am as a black man. So it, yep. to me, those things are important. So that, that's yeah. what I was talking about. Like we yeah. don't see into it now, you know, yeah. we kind of like, we blame the bully and the bully is damaged themselves. You know, they, uh-huh. Uh-huh. they, they yeah. deeply damaged themselves, yeah. but you know, we just blame the bully and we don't look into ourselves. You know? Right. You know, and you're absolutely right. Everything you just said, uh, Mr. G is absolutely correct. What the bully is doing, they're identifying your gift. You understand? Mm. And they're st- unfortunately, they're sharing it with you in such a negative way. Your beauty in such a negative way. But it's something that they wish that they had. You dig? Yep. And they don't. So they look that they, they, they make it negative. Yeah, 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 man. Just in my, just in my experience. I can only share with you in my experience, mm-hmm. you know, like, like you said, dark, they talk about my dark skin. I hear people today. Oh my God, your skin's so chocolate and beautiful. They talk about my body back then. I, here I am, okay, paid a six figure contract to be in a bikini. And here I am thinking to myself as an adult in a bikini, they're freaking out, going to put a bikini on Cheetah, put it in my head, in my mind. I'm thinking, this is crazy. When I was a kid, they teased me about this body. And here I am, these guys freaking out about me being in a bikini for a photo shoot. You know what I mean? But in my mm. head, you feel what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, we don't understand where it comes from, man. But that I think that's just your story is a perfect example of just how to deal with bullies and how to embrace you know, who you are and um, transform into who you're supposed to be, man. Keyword, yeah. key you got to know when to transform. Because I'm Fridia, but also I'm the cheetah. Mm. You know, the cheetah bad, bad, excuse my French, <laughs> but B I T C H, that's in a positive way. That stands for babe in total control of herself, according to my mother. You know? <laughs> so that's what bitch me. Okay? That's the that's the first time I've heard that acronym, man. That is Okay. Very so that's what my mama told me. You dig? <laughs> You know, I come from a very strong, intelligent. I was I was raised by very uh, uh, female authorities. Got gotcha. you. Know? And and speaking of that, I know you mentioned the two hemispheres. And what's interesting too, like you had, you know, your mom's side and then your dad's side, two different kind of cultures of yeah. black people meshing together. So absolutely, just coming up, like dichotomy. What did, yeah, Ooh. yeah, coming Huge. up. Like, what did you get? from your black side, uh, from your father's side of the family? And then what did you get from your mother's side of the family? Uh, from my mom's side, how to be wild and risky. You know what I mean? We, they risk takers. I mm. mean, dude, when we were they from the country, Charleston, South Carolina, come on up there to Philadelphia, Chester, Pennsylvania. I mean, these guys, we were riding at a young age. Uh, what's those four wheelers, you know, and motorcycles. Right. And, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, we were the only, we were wild because it was a whole <laughs> lot of boys. You know, like I said, it was nine boys, eight boys, and my Ooh. brother, nine boys and eight girls. So it was a gang of them. Where, where, like, were you the youngest? Like, where, where, where uh, no, Well, no, that was my mother's family, but I was my mother's, I am my mother's oldest. Got you. Okay. But my mother comes from a family of 16. Oof. Man. Yeah, man. So on my mother's side, it's just wild. And risk takers. We would go on top of roofs, climb a ladder, go on top of roof, and jump off the roof onto a mattress. <laughs> Oof. Risk yeah. takers. Yeah. Now on my father's side, they were articulate, uh, intellectual. You know what I mean? Very disciplined. You know, very diplomatic. You know, they built. They they all educated. They got houses built from the ground up. They all got college degrees. All mm. of them are married. All of them have two children. 
Either I would be working at Chrysler or DuPont. Pump. You dig? Gotcha. Or be a cop. That's on my father's <laughs> side. On my mama's yeah. side, we just straight ghetto. Total get out. Op- <laughs> Total yes, opposites, man. Total yeah. opposites. Make but the best, best of both worlds, right? I was just about to say that. I was just about Damn. to say that. Best of yep. both worlds. All right, cool, man. So, um, you know, coming up, like, I guess after all these bullying incidents, man, like you went to your uncle to, you know, um, to learn some martial arts. So I think your, what your uncle said, I think was super important too, like that it wasn't just about you learning how to fight, but it was just about you developing your self-confidence and your self-esteem. Um, so can you get into that? Like, cause I think a lot of times when people think about martial arts, they think about the fighting component of it and not the mental component of it. So right. Can you talk about like how, how that really helped you, like transformed you? Absolutely. You know, um, they don't teach martial arts today like they did when I was coming up. You know, I was very fortunate to learn from some very lethal yet intelligent, articulate, spiritual men. And I mean, these guys were judges today. They're they're retired, but they were judges, lawyers, entrepreneurs, and, you know, uh, engineers. And these were black brothers, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and they were very successful men today. Um, and I was very fortunate, but, um, you know, in the arts, it was all about self-cultivation. It was all about everybody today, like today, they use arts. They want to learn arts to compete. Yes. But they want to learn arts to defend themselves. Yes. But there is a time with us. We only use our weapons if it's a matter of life and death. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm a master in the arts and someone comes at me, I'm going to do everything in my power to avoid it. So if I feel that your energy is trying to come or try perhaps to attack me, I'm going to avoid you. It's like I'm going to spiritually run. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. I'm going to spiritually run. I'm going to spiritually avoid you to let you know I'm, I don't. it's not necessary because we got to pick our battles. Maybe you're picking this battle with me, but I've got other battles to pick. So I don't think this was a, this is worth picking with. That makes mm. sense? Unless I'm forced to face it. You dig? Mm-hmm. Now I'm running from it. Now you force me to face it. Be ready for what you asked for. You dig? I dig, I dig. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, man. So, you know, while you're starting the martial arts, you're also you know, developing yourself as an athlete as well. And, you know, you're playing sports. Um, so can you talk to us about like just that component of things? I know like when you tried out for the girls basketball team, you got a, a rude awakening from your coach because um, yeah. you was cussing <laughs> up a storm. <laughs> just, you know, it's so funny. I was laughing Everything. at that because um, I know so many kids like that, man, that's just, they're super talented, but they can't wash their mouth for the, for nothing. <laughs> right. Um, so can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly the way it is. And I don't think it's fair for coaches to use that as a uh, weapon. Likewise, uh, yeah. To, to kids, because that's our culture. You understand? Mm-hmm. And it was their loss. You know, mm-hmm. when they cut me, it was their loss. It wasn't my loss. You did? And, um, they, and they lost they, a year. What's yeah, that? Yeah, they, they cut you and you killing it on JV because this is when you when you tried out for varsity. Right. So you had to yeah, play JV that year. And I'm, te- I'm tearing it up on junior varsity. <laughs> bam, bam, bam. And listen, champ, I'll never forget. I'll never forget. The coach, uh, I'm not going to say his name or, or the team. I'll never forget. He was from another opposing team. And uh, the varsity team and junior varsity plan and our junior varsity team, we uh, uh, went ahead and, and I scored all the points. <laughs> and then the varsity team 
You know, in our junior varsity team, we was undefeated. The varsity team, they was 0 and 10, 20, and, and we was 20 and 0. So the varsity coach on the opposing team, he was like, look at here. Why isn't Freedia Gibbs on the varsity team? You know what the coach said to me? He said, because she's too wild. Ooh. You know what the white man said? Ooh. He said, listen, I just saw her score. I outscored a whole team. Junior varsity team, outscored a whole varsity team. You know what I mean? He said, listen, if you don't want Gibbs on your team, I will go to Gibbs's family and have her transfer to our district. <laughs> he is the one who made me realize my talents. He woke me up hmm. because he said to me, Gibbs, you are phenomenal. I didn't even know what phenomenal meant. You understand? Yeah. He said, you are phenomenal. They don't know what to do with you. But we do. I woke Listen up. Listen to this. Champ, <laughs> the next thing I know, that my white man must have said something to the school because he did speak to my family, you know, to really get me over there. Mm -hmm. The next thing I know, the Coach Henry, they fired him and came with a new coach. Rightfully so. Can you believe <laughs> that? It was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, like, the language part is one thing. But if you're supposed to be teaching these kids how to become, you know, successful adults, you got to teach them the language while they're playing. You can't just say you can't play for me because of your language. Like, that's ridiculous. But yeah. Um, yeah, that's our, that's our culture. He got what he got, that. though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, man, I guess you went on to, to varsity, you know, killing it. Before then, though, like you learning how to play, was it just like just playing at the park with the guys? Like, how did you develop Street. those skills? I learned Donna McKee. I'll never forget her name. Donna McKee. Um, Caucasian, Italian girl. Uh, she was my sixth grade uh, 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 gym teacher, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Mm. She was the first one to put a basketball in my hand. She put a basketball in my hand, and every time, you know, we was practicing at school at Pulaski, I never forget she would teach me. Went on teach me how to dribble, and then when I go home, there was a basketball court right behind my yard, back right behind our place. So, and it was on 24, the lights were on 24-7, so that's how it all started. Right there. And then, of course, you got the guys up in the projects. We played 24-7, and we were playing projects against projects, like the fairground against the Bennett Home, the Bennett Home against the Whale Pen, the Whale Pen against Lavokan Village. But we was the baddest projects up and, up and down. You know what I mean? We had the <laughs> baddest uh, talent and out of all the projects in Chester, period. Yeah, man. And and you was playing with the guys. It wasn't just uh, like playing know, girls, with them all play the time. With girls. Yeah, exactly. All the guys. They made me better. In fact, they made me sharper. In fact... Let me share this with you real quick. Mm -hmm. Couple of them are doctors today, mm. okay? And these are my, my my childhood buddies. They're doctors today, we still connect. They told me something I had no knowledge of. They said, listen, me, Mark, Bruce Brown, and Mark and all of us, we all used to get together and try to figure out how we could team up to beat you. So we would deliberately <laughs> play you one-on-one, -on -one, you know, and you would beat us every time. They said, and to this day, we have to tell you that it is you who made us who we are because we were always thinking, how can we be free to damn damn it, I couldn't beat her. They're like, damn it, damn it, damn it. And they tried for many years to beat me on the court and they couldn't. And they thanked me. And I was like, get out. Really? Wow. Like, yeah, yeah. when we're working on different things, we just think about how you just made us tougher spiritually because we couldn't beat you. We damn sure tried our best. Mm. And these are grown men today. They finally confessed. <laughs> Man, you know that, and I, I never hear that from, you know, a girl like playing ball with a girl that you can't be like and that i think people got to really understand like how much of a special talent that you were exactly. you know yes. to 
to be striking fear amongst the guys playing ball like y'all want to play her like <laughs> no they played me but they tried you know tried their best and couldn't do it me. and wow. couldn't beat me and this is i was so surprised you know because he was so all of them were very sincere but they had to let me know we're adults in our 50s they, they just let i was like wow really yes it was you it yeah, was you amazing, who made man. us tough wow you know? all right panning the camera to the track field how'd you get involved with that man like was was that well, the natural part you, you running from my bullies you know <laughs> what i mean well actually it had to been natural because my mom was fast but uh, running from my bullies, that's how I really discovered it. Because I le- what I learned is, you know, okay, I can embrace them. But in the beginning, before embracing them, you know, um, they had to catch me. And I, could, I figured out they couldn't catch me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I always knew I could always keep a lead on them. You know, so that's how it happened. But chasing the bus. I, I lived on 12th Street. And there was a school bus that used to always go down, right? Now, I lived on this side of the street. So I would see the school bus go down and when it, or, or the acceptor uh, bus. And when it got down to this area right here at the end, I would be right there. And I would I would chase, challenge the bus all the way up to the finish line every day. That's how I got stronger and stronger, challenging the bus driver. Wow. Wham! <laughs> Wham! And the bus driver used to have fun. He And I was getting stronger and older and older. And you know what I mean? And it was like really fun. And finally, I beat the bus driver. But it was fun for him. But it was also a challenge for me. Wow. Yeah. Man. So you came on as a sprinter. Yeah, 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 definitely. Thanks so, to my boys. <laughs> so um I know in high school you guys won at uh Penn. Penn the Penn yeah, Relays, man. Watch and relays. People, medal. You said watch too, right? Yeah, we want a gold watch, we want a gold big medal. It was unbelievable. I'll never forget it. And um just for people that don't know what Penn Relays is, like Penn Relays is like the biggest track event, like in the world, in, in high school, you know, oh, what I mean? yeah, absolutely. kids from all over the country and from other countries that come out absolutely. to compete, and you went at Penn Relays, you're like, you're a legend forever. <laughs> oh, for sure. You know what? You are absolutely right. Listen to this champ. We did that back in 81, 82. Make a long story short, I had gone, I always go to the Penn Relays maybe like every four years. I went back there and the guys recognized me. Wow. They remembered me. <laughs> That was crazy. I was like, wow. That's how so serious true. it is, man. It is um, very serious. What, what relay? What relay was that? We ran. We won the uh, uh, 440 relay and the uh, mile relay. We set the record on that there. And I ran the third leg. Now, what I want to tell you is our second leg was weak. And we knew our second leg was weak. You dig? And I ran the third leg. And Deshanta ran the fourth leg. Deshanta was the fastest one on the team. Our second leg was weak. So when Debbie passed me the baton, this is a mile relay champ. I'll never forget as long as I live. When Debbie passed me the baton, we was behind. You did? Mm-hmm. I'll never forget this here. I, I, heard the, I heard trumpets. It was spiritual. I heard trumpet sound. And I heard the crowd go, woo <laughs> You did? I'll go. You know what I mean? <laughs> Next thing I know, I went ahead and passed the baton and shot Bam! Oh, and I know it was over because I always had confidence passing the baton to her because I was also sending that energy and that power and that speed that I had possessed within me. As I passed the baton to her, I pushed all that power into her as well. That makes sense? That makes perfect sense, man. Amazing. Amazing. That's the four by 400, man. Yeah, One lap around oh, the track. Yeah. And same thing with the, the, the mile relay, 440 relay. Beautiful. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to just explain for those that, that don't know, you know, one lap around the track, yeah. each runner, they have a baton passing it on. Legendary status, man. Yeah, buddy. Love so it. at the same time, you know, you're killing it on the basketball court, your senior year, um, you know, taking, you know, the uh, the school to heights that they've never been in before. And um, I, I think it was a track that you guys had the or basketball that you had the first championship like in school history. First time ever. The first, listen to me. That school, their whole athletic, female athletic program was zero. Mm. You hear me? It, it was just zero. When I got there, turned the whole program around. Put them on the map, you dig? Mm-hmm. They won their first Dale Val championship, won their first district championship, and we the first time they ever went to the state championship. That was back in 1981. At that time, I scored about 2,500 points. To this day, they have never accomplished that again. And to this day, my points stand 2,500. There's not a woman that has, can walk in my shoes. It's going to take a long time for them to do so. Believe it, Chan, when I tell you. I believe it. I believe, believe it for sure. <laughs> they already know. And that was 1981. I believe Come on it. now. I believe it. All right, so... Now you get a double, I never heard this before too, man, a double scholarship for track and basketball to Temple. So what what was going through your mind around that time, man? Just having fun. You know what? My grandmom used to always say this to me. You know, I feel very fortunate to have some very strong female authorities in my life and especially spiritual ones. But my grandma used to always say to me, you know what? I just love the fact that you love what you do. A lot of people do things that they don't enjoy. Mm-hmm. They work in places that they hate. But you, you are so wise at your age. You love what you do. And we're supposed to. You did? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love what I do. Athletes, I love what I, I was born to be an athlete. They knew that I was going to be an athlete before I did because I was built like one. With your success, like, you know, just through school with athletics, like, did you have routines set in place or were you just like, yo, let's go get it? Like, that was it. Let's go get it. Let's just just go get it. (laughs) Let's go get it. No, I did. It was always God, family and sports. That was my structure. God, Mm. family and sports. That was it. And if I wasn't playing basketball, I was running track. If I wasn't running track, I was doing karate. You dig? Right. So it was always, I was, but I was always doing karate, even when I was running track and playing basketball. Mm -hmm. I always did that. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. So you get to, uh, you know, Temple and kind of have a wild year, man. You, you know, you find this guy named Jermaine and (laughs) got the the stars and (laughs) can you walk us through that? I think uh, this is, uh, this is very common, by the way, man. Like sometimes you, you hit school and, you find somebody and you just start falling and you're like, class, like class, what, what time I got to be? What? Like you just in that yeah. person's room the it whole is time. Common, but you know what? I want kids to know it's common and we all make this mistake and it's devastating once we realize the mistake that we made and it's hard as hell to come to hell back. It's hard as hell to come to hell back. But you understand? Mm-hmm. It was hard to get there when we got there. You when we lost it, it's hard to come back. But the most important thing is to come back. You understand? Right. Right. Just to come back. So it's going to make you better. This mm-hmm. time around, it's going to make you tougher. You realize the mistake you made. Don't punish yourself. 
make all the necessary steps that you fix all the necessary steps that you need to take in this process to win and leave with your hands raised and do what you need to do. You know, like Muhammad Lee said, it's about will. You got to have a will and that will got to be killer instinct. You understand? In order to make mm -hmm. those skills do what they need to do. That makes sense? That makes sense. That makes sense. So, um, yeah, can, can you walk us through, like, you know, that whole situation? I think it's a great learning experience for people that you just really don't, like, you know, the younger kids that don't understand, like, you know, how to tune into what they got to do in college. Because we all make these mistakes where we're falling, but sometimes we don't we don't talk to the youngins about the mistakes and how they can, you know, do better. So can, can you talk to us about, you know, your first year experience? Oh, my God. Here I am, fresh. I'm a top athlete. I've never failed in anything in my life. You hear me? Mm -hmm. Top athlete, double division one scholarship. We all know division one are the top elite athletes in the world. It is what it is, period. Michael Jordan, division one, LeBron James, division one. Just right. to give you an example. You yep. Scholarship, double scholarship from the projects. Excuse me. What do I do? I go there. I mean, it was awesome having my own spot. They was giving me my sneaks whenever I wanted to, any sneaks, sweatsuits, and whatever. Then I meet this guy named Jermaine. Fell head over heels with him when I fell head. And mind, I got my own room. Now, I ain't got mom. I ain't got dad. I don't have to come in at 10 o'clock anymore. <laughs> and just lost it. Just fell in love. <laughs> you know, we, look, only thing I can say is this. I didn't, unfortunately, I didn't go to class. And whenever I did go to practice, I always went to practice late, but I was there. Mm -hmm. I just always came late. And as she, Linda McDonald, she punished me. And did did you think a, that, like, that would happen? Like, or did you come through like, yo, I'm the superstar, man. I ain't going nowhere. I ain't going to get rid of me. It wasn't like, even that. I never even thought about it. Huh? I just never thought. I never, I, I didn't care. I, it wasn't even, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I didn't care. It just wasn't a thought. You know, hmm. I didn't think about losing because I had never lost before. So I didn't know how it how it felt, if that made any sense. That makes sense. Huh? It does. It and makes then, sense. Yeah. So finally, when my coach calls me in the office after six months, not going to class, but hanging out with my guy and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> after six months, coach calls me in the office. You know, because they get all of our grades first. Mm -hmm. And they tell me, hey, look, you want, we're going to have to put you on some academic probation because you got you don't even have any D's. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, you don't even do any E's for E's for effort. Oh, you know? man. No, I know. And I've never, I was never that way. So it's amazing how love can change you. Absolutely. Especially when you're young. Yep. And when you're freshly young, you don't have mom and dad there. You got this guy that's just throw, just overwhelming with all this love and attention that you've never experienced before in your life. You know, this is what happened with me. Hmm. You did? And it was just incredible. You know, I just, it was incredible. You know, we couldn't be separate. We weren't, we were inseparable. It is what it is. And then <laughs> I found out. They said, look, you can't come back. Mm. And that kind of woke me up out of, took me out of my love zone. Like, <laughs> you know, can't come back. You're an academic probation. Then when that woke me up, that made me realize that I was getting ready to be away from my love. 
Mm. I'm not going to be around this atmosphere anymore. You dig? Yeah. Then a reality check hit me, and here I am, find myself right back in the projects. Like, whoa! <laughs> what the heck did I just do to myself? So how did everybody respond back home, man? Oh, it was terrible. I will never forget. I went to the bank. I felt embarrassed because mm -hmm. I was walking in projects and things like that. And I'm seeing everybody do the same old shit they was doing before I left. You know <laughs> what I mean? Routine. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I done made a daggone mistake. Mm -hmm. So what I wanted to do, I wanted to go and help my auntie out in New York. So I went to the bank to withdraw some money. And I never forget. And I didn't realize the magnitude at the time. You right. know, it hadn't hit me yet. Mm -hmm. I go into the bank, withdraw some money, and uh, I hear this teller say, oh, my God, did you hear what Freddie again just did? She just let us all down. She lost her scholarship. I can't believe that. And I was embarrassed. And mm -hmm. I heard them whispering back there like, holy cow, I let them down. Then I was like, whoa, I didn't even know they cared. Hmm. You understand? Yeah, man. And I got, and then I, I went ahead and asked, I didn't even withdraw no money. I asked my grandma for some money because I, I was just too embarrassed. I went ahead and caught the bus in New York and it made me start thinking like, what the heck did I just do? It was a wake up call. That makes sense? It does. Yeah, it was a wake up call. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense, man. Um, so after that, you go, you, you transfer into uh, Chester which is a community school, correct? Yeah, I went to, yeah, I did. I went to, uh, I went to New York first. To my okay. And uh, things didn't work out well there, but I did have some quite unique experiences. I did come back and um, I, I punished myself. I wasn't going to play basketball anymore. I wasn't going to play college ball anymore. Mm -hmm. I was going to be a street. I was going to be the queen of the streets. So mm -hmm. during the time I was in New York champ, Mm -hmm. I was, you know, that big cage that everybody, that everybody be talking about, the famous cage. Yeah, I was, I was at that cage and didn't even know that I was at that cage practicing and playing every day for six months with the, all the greatest street athletes. You hear me? I mean, and we was getting down, and they knew, and I told them my story. Man, I lost my scholarship. I was all frustrated on the court because you know, on the court you can release your frustrations because everybody understand. You know what I mean? Now you man, talking about the Rucker? Yeah, yeah, rock exactly. Rock yeah. yeah, I'm on that bull, bull man later for them. <laughs> so I'm back on the streets, but this time I'm in New York with the best. Bam, bam, bam. You know? And mm -hmm. uh, during the six months, I told them, I'm not even going to play basketball anymore in college, man, because it ain't even worth it. I'm just going to play street ball. And I said that for the whole six months, but I was killing it on the streets. And then before I left, I'll never forget an old man saying to me, you best better use those talents to mm. get you off the streets. Don't lead up towns on the street. And, and those are the words that I carried back with me on the bus when I went back to Pennsylvania, you know, to fix my life. So at that time, I went ahead to went to Delaware County Community College. And when I went to Delaware County Community College, that's when I met Mike Tanaglio, Coach Mike Tanaglio. He was the head coach at Cabrini University. And he, was, he had learned that I had lost my scholarship. And I'll never forget him coming to me. He was like, listen, I know that there ain't no way. He was at my grandmother's house. There ain't no way that I can get an athlete of your caliber. He said, I know there ain't no way. He said, but I do know this is a special situation. He said, and I do know that we can get you a good education. 
if only you in exchange, you share your talents with us. You know, I, the only thing I wanted, wanted to do was just get a good education. I wanted to prove myself, prove to myself that this is about self-cultivation, not about competing against nobody else, about competing against me. You messed up a temple, you're going to do right this time. You understand? Mm -hmm. You're going to go to classes, you're going to do right, and you're going to be the freedom against that we know that you are potentially capable of being. Because I failed. You did? Right. So that's what I did. In exchange, my talents for good education. And it happened. I turned the whole program around. Mm. And um, I remember you talking about too, like just you as an athlete, like as a basketball player, that you focused in on the strengths of each player. Like that's how you got everybody better. And I think yeah. that's like super important, man. Instead of, you know, I know like certain certain athletes that might be the best on their team. They're like, man, I ain't passing her the ball. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm just gonna take this shot, even if it's a hard shot. But you knew like exactly when to give that person the ball or when to you know what I mean? To let them yep. have the rock and all that kind of stuff, man. So how did you figure all that stuff out? You know what? Because I'm a genius. I'm an <laughs> athletic genius. No, yes. I just have to keep it real. With no, you. no. Oh, oh, absolutely. I learned from the streets from some of the greatest athletes that live today. You're on the streets and, and experience is our greatest, greatest talent. You understand me? Mm -hmm. And I learned from a very young age and didn't know. It's like Tiger Woods. You understand? Yeah. Tiger Woods go out there with that, that golf club. He's a genius. It's just like uh, Serena Williams, her, her, her Venus. They got that tennis rack. They geniuses. You understand? Yes, yes. yes. The move. That is that is a fact. I think a lot of people don't connect. Um, you know, uh, uh, what you just said, like being a genius to yeah. athletics, but all of it is you're thinking about strategy. It has to be everything has to be perfect timing. You're thinking on the go. It's just so much happening that your mind is able to process. So if you are at that level of athletic ability, not only that, but you figuring out how to make other people better on that level as well, like cha changing programs around, that is genius mode right there. You know what I'm saying? So I, I definitely understand, you know, what you mean by that. Yeah, thank you. Um, so yeah, so, you know, you you have a good, a good career, uh, you know, at the community school, um, you know, and then after that, was it immediately after that you decided to to go to Germany and go pro with basketball? Well, at Cabrini, after I turned their program around, um, actually, I put them on the map because they wasn't even Division Three. But mm -hmm. see, I was at Temple University, so I was at Division One. So I was already in NCAA records as uh, one of the rookies, top rookies in mm -hmm. scoring. I was one of the top rookies in scoring. Don't get me wrong. I was always late to practice. Listen to this here. <laughs> always late to practice. I didn't even do drugs. When I went to Temple University, I was doing, I was emulating all the superstars. They were doing beauties. I was doing beauties. And I was reluctant in the beginning. You understand? Mm -hmm. I was doing beauties. I'll never forget. We went to this party champ real quick. We went to this party. Right. We had, we had all the male and female basketball team. We all went to this party in this room. Only thing I remember is walking in. Now I'm a rookie. I'm just a rookie. These guys <laughs> are sophomore juniors and seed. I'm just a rookie. Uh-huh. I walk in, they give me a cup. I saw all I remember is drinking that. And I woke up like everybody else, butt naked. All, everybody was <laughs> That's not butt funny. Naked. I, I shouldn't even laugh, but wow. No, it is funny. Everybody <laughs> was butt naked, but because I get up early, it was just natural. I got, what the? Felt my clothing and tiptoed out until this day. I don't know what the hell happened in mm. between. So Man. I was just emulating them. You know what? I couldn't handle it. Yeah, you know, you know what's interesting about that too. Like 
you were you were in the hood and you never smoked, you never drank, you didn't do any drugs. Exactly. And then you get into college. <laughs> it's like, Isn't that crazy? It's it's wild too, man. And we all know everybody that's been to college know what time it is. They know that. If you wanna if you wanna really if you wanna start a drug war, you go to college campuses, man, you'll get you'll get loads Everything. and loads and <laughs> Everything. Man. Everything. I, that that is just such an interesting thing that, you know. You were able to deny everything in, in 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 your neighborhood where it was everywhere, but in college it was just like a different experience. You know and what? I think too, it's the safetyness of college because in college you're not thinking that you're really gonna get in trouble for whatever drugs. Like right. everybody in college is doing this stuff, so it's not like it's just you or that you know like cops is around around the college campus looking for you. Right. But but in the hood in the streets. It is. You know what I'm saying? So it's different. It's completely different. It is, really. It's yeah. true. It's crazy. Yeah, man. Well, what an what an experience. What an experience. So um so what made you decide to go into um professional ball like in, in Germany? Well, actually after my uh um I was just finishing up at Cabrini. Mm-hmm. And uh, Coach Zeke, he was the uh athletic director at the time. He asked me if I wanted to uh, pursue a career uh, playing uh, basketball overseas. Now, mind you, I had already had a great career at Cabrini, and I was working at a fantastic – I had a fantastic career right. as a, a software manufacturer trainer traveling the USA. Mm-hmm. He did and had a bad spot, et cetera. And I said, yeah, sure. So he gave his paperwork, and, they, and all the European coaches were coming to the Colorado Springs Training Center. You know, so all the athletes from excuse me, from around the USA were going to Colorado Springs Training Center to try out for the uh, European Women's Basketball League. Right. And this was before the WNBA and all that, right? Yeah, before the WNBA. This is back in 1988, 88, 1990. That's when I went. And um, we went to Colorado for about a month. We trained, 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 competed. Then they offered me a deal. I went on over there, played for two years, Turned the whole program around, had a great time, had an opportunity to go to Egypt, had an opportunity to go to Israel, had an opportunity to travel to Europe, had an opportunity to go to Amsterdam, hang out there, had an opportunity to see the Berlin Wall come down. You know what I mean? What so was, was that a, like, man? Great experience. You know what it was like? I'm going to tell you something. And mm-hmm. I hope that you can understand this here because this is really deep. Okay. I, as an African-American woman, was never educated on the Berlin Wall. I didn't know anything about it. It is, it's just the truth. Back in 1990, that's when it came down, okay? Mm -hmm. But what I do know is during the time that I was there, I knew that I was in the midst of history. I felt the energy. The energy was insurmountable. The energy was powerful. The energy was, I can't even explain it, but what I know is what I was seeing with my eyes and what the energy that I was feeling permeate my soul was powerful. Mm-hmm. You hear me? Mm-hmm. And it had to have been some, a global victory. Now, once that was over and all the Europeans get some wall, get some wall. Here I am saying this old lady, old people walking over to the wall with canes and, and crutches and hitting the wall. And I'm like, wow, what's going on? I know this is historic. Mm. I can feel it. You did, but mm-hmm. I did. I wasn't educated on it. I got a piece of the wall when I came back, you know, years later, I learned about the Berlin Wall when the internet came about. And I was like, wow, <laughs> I was in the midst of all of that. 
you, you still have that you still have that piece of the wall no 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 no. i don't uh unfortunately but uh it would be nice <laughs> got you got you do you think like um you know with your experiences overseas like if the wnba existed at that time would you would you have won or would you have just play ball here um uh, both you know what i mean it's fun because it's all it's always part-time anyway you know what well, we all, the women we only play like three months four i mean like well you know here in america we play three four months but overseas we play all year round because mm. overseas they take women's sports and they take athletic sports very seriously just like they take entertainment very seriously it's always the europeans who get has to start things first in order to wake america up you right. need to understand the Europeans, they speak six, seven languages. America only speak one. Okay. Mm. So they think they're a lot more smarter than us here. You dig? Yeah. So, so at some point with you balling uh, in Germany, it just hit you that you got to get back into the martial arts and, um, you know, start practicing mixed martial arts. Like what, what popped that idea in your head? Because martial arts is a part of me. It's, it's like a religion to me. You know, I learned from a very young child, you know, um, my mom, my grandma, you know, they always bought me the headgear, you know, the headgear, the gloves and, you know, the chest gear and all those things. Well, they connected that to a spiritual thing, too. That's the chapter called Ephesians in the Bible. OK. Mm. And that chapter in Ephesians talks about wearing the armor of God. OK. And in that armor of God on a spiritual level, we have to wear our headgear. You understand? Mm. We have to wear our breastplate. You understand? We have to wear our breast, our belt of truth. You understand? We have to wear our, our gloves. You understand? We have to wear our shoes. We understand? We have to have our sewage. You understand? So as a young child, I was taught at, at a very young age to, uh, at, because I was bullied a lot, to make sure that I put my, protect my equipment on to protect me. Right. Okay? So that equipment on a spiritual level is also equipment, the armor. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. So I've always been taught that. So that's always been my connection if that makes any sense oh it makes sense it makes sense so you kind yeah. of felt like there was something missing yeah you were missing your armor yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> i got you gotta, I, you know i don't like feel i don't like feeling naked i got you i got you yeah all right so did you just get up out of there and just leave like did you finish your season no 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 no. what happened was during the time when i was over there playing basketball in germany i was mm -hmm. doing judo but no, I never, oh, okay. I just never talked about it. privately. I was doing judo. Oh, okay. Gotcha. You know, so that, you know, keep myself busy. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly I, I, I was watching TV and I saw Sensei Benny, the jet. And I was like, oh, snap, kickboxing. Oh, yeah. I want to do that there. So when this contract over, I'm going, let me get a track. I wrote everything down. Let me write his address down. <laughs> and the other, okay. And I'm going to go right down. I'm going to go straight there. And you know, back then we had phone books. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Kids are like phone books. <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. yeah so it was twice as hard yeah yeah see they don't realize it. we had phone books back then today they got gps so what our stuff our moves were twice as hard we didn't realize they were twice as hard I, exactly exactly yep yeah. yep yeah man um it, i think it's it, it it only takes it takes like a really super athlete to think that they can do something from watching it on tv like yo you know what let me let me go try because <laughs> I, I i see a lot of people saying like yo that looks pretty cool i i you know, I enjoy watching it, but not somebody saying like, yo, I want to go do that. That's what I want to like, do right there. That's what I want to do right there. That's it right there. All right. So you, you go by, um, you go by his doge, by, by his training facility. Mm -hmm. And, uh, what, what transpired from there? The, the jet training center in, in Van Nuys. Now mind you, I'm a rookie. Here I am a rookie again mm -hmm. at Temple university. I'm this rookie, but you know, Hey, 
I got this big wheel. You understand? Right. Here I am a rookie again. And Sensei Benny got all these champions. You did? He mm -hmm. got world champions. But I was a world champ too. You know, but, but I just didn't know kickboxing. So he did work with me a little bit. And um, this is what I learned from Sensei Benny. You did? Mm -hmm. One of the great things that I learned from Sensei Benny is we would always meet the Jet Training Center at 4.30 in the morning. And we would all run. You hear me? Sensei Benny was always in the beginning, in the front. Okay. And all his world champions were in a row. Now, mind you, I'm just a rookie. So I'm in the end. Dude, mm -hmm. I want to tell you something. I never felt so much great power before in my life. Coming from Sensei Benny through the champions all the way to me. You hear me? Mm -hmm. The connection of the energy and the greatness that was coming through me and coming back around the coach, it was un I can't even describe it. But I'm describing it to you. Yeah, what's that quote? Like swords sharpen swords, or I don't know if I'm saying it correctly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Let me share this with you. One of the great things I also learned from Sensei Benny, he taught me this. We were all we stopped, came to our destination. And he said, This is the best time to run. Mm. This is the best time to catch your enemy, mm. your opponent, while they're asleep. And that stuck with me. You did? Yeah. And I, 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 that stuck with me. Catch them while they sleep at this time in the morning. So, and that, all, and that worked. But uh, I, uh, what he did at that time, because, I, again, I was just a rookie. He would pass me on. He passed me on to his sister, uh, Lily Rodriguez. She was the first most dangerous woman in the world. And uh, we worked well on that. She worked with me on some techniques. And I just became stronger. I kept getting stronger and stronger. So I was too strong for her. And then she passed me on to her brother, Ruben. And that's when we, you know, shocked the world together. Yeah, man. I remember around that time, like, we were getting some media coverage. And uh, somebody was interviewing you. They're like, you know, so, I, you know, I heard you pretty quick or whatever it is. And before he finished his sentence, like, your, your fist was by his face. And he was, like, in shock. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's so you know that was the real deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. For him to be shocked like that, like I've never seen that. Before. You know what I used to do, Champ? You yeah. know, people used to ask me in the fight world why they called me the cheater. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know what I would do? If you had on glasses, I'd take them off and put them back on real fast. That's why they called me the cheater. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. All right. I never so... forget I did that to one of my buddies. That blew his mind. <laughs> He's like, do that again. So around the same time, like you're training, you know, uh, and getting into, you know, your fights down there, um, you had one of the biggest fights of your life that took place in a van. And um, one thing like before that, like in terms of mental preparation, like for an incident like that to occur, uh, one thing that happened before way back into your childhood was you getting your black belt from your uncle. So can you talk about that experience and then what took place? Um, you know, in, in that van, um, the hardest fight of your life, really? Yeah, sure. Well, um, you know, I got bullied a lot. So my uncle, he encouraged me to join martial arts. Uh, you know, I had great instructors, Master Barry, Master um, uh, Nichols, and my uncle. Uh, what was really special is the fact that every Saturday for one hour, my uncle and I would spar. Mm -hmm. And the name of the game, you know, he made it a game. Now, right. mind you, I didn't know it. You know, I'm just this kid. You did. The name of the game was for me to get the key. 
But what I had to do, I had to get past him. So what we would do every Saturday, he'd come in, he put the key, he locked the door, he put the key down, and he'd stand in front of the key. And then I was on the opposite side of him, and I had to spar him, and I had to get past him to get the mm-hmm. key to walk out. You did. Right. So we sparred many Saturdays, et cetera. He taught me various different techniques, weakness, part areas, this, that, and the other, all these various different techniques. And, you know, as I got stronger and stronger, then eventually I got the key. I got past him, got the key, and walked out. Mm-hmm. That's how I earned my black belt. Right. But what I want to tell you is it wasn't easy. This is what I need people to understand. He didn't make it easy. It was very hard. So he was really I, coming at you, was it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, this is my niece. It, I'm taking it easy. <laughs> he, he didn't make it easy. He didn't make it easy. You know, we we went at it. Now, but, and the great thing is I was getting t- smarter and smarter and tougher and tougher. But he would always taught me to use my mind. My mind is my greatest weapon. You understand? A day Sounds may familiar. come. And he would always say to me, a day may come when you might might you want, might not be able to use your hands. You know? And mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking like that. I'm just a team. You know? So, mm-hmm. you know, use your mind. So anyway, so here I am, 50, you know, years later. I don't know what. You know, probably like 20-something years later, 15, 20-something years later, I'm, I'm, I'm in California back in 1993, you know, uh, invited to a Domino's game in, in Englewood. That was my first time ever in Englewood. Now, mind the people that I was visiting, they told me certain places not to go. You dig? <laughs> didn't tell you about Englewood. They didn't tell me about Englewood. <laughs> they did tell me stay away from Compton. You know oh, what I mean? Uh-huh. Anyway. I go to this domino game and, you know, I didn't know how to play, but I did have my paycheck. So we were playing for money. <laughs> I eventually learned how to play because I lost my whole paycheck. I had my bus fare left, you know, because well, I'm from Philly. So we catch trains and trolleys in Philadelphia. You follow right. what I'm saying? The subways. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and then eventually I lost my bus fare. And... Um, then um, my friend Bonita, the one who told me about the Domino's game, she decided not to take me home because she was having issues with her baby. And mm. Lonnie was there because he was playing Domino's. How I remember Lonnie, because like I was telling first of all, he kept making passes at me while I was there. I was like, no, no, no. I wasn't interested. Mm. But then, make a long story short, how I remember Lonnie, because I told him my mom used to date a guy named Lonnie. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, dang. Oh, okay. Cool. Okay. I remember your name. My mom used to date a guy named Lonnie. Anyway. So he offered me a ride home about 2, 30, 3 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, I say turn right and he turned left. And that's what woke me up because mm. I was exhausted. You did? Mm-hmm. I said, turn right. Now I'm leaning on the door. Can you make a right turn here? Yeah, sure. Oh, wait a moment. You're going the wrong direction. Yeah, you're going the wrong direction. Look here, just let me out. Wrong, and then he stops. You know what I mean? Then I try to bust out. I can't I bust out, and, and there's no knob. You did. Uh-huh. And when I turn around, when I, as soon as I turn around, and luckily I, I'm, fa- I'm fast. As soon as I turn around, he was getting ready to rock me, hmm. punch me, bop. He's getting ready because he had the belt around his fist, Ooh. and he was getting ready to rock me. Because I turn around real fast and he's going to rock me, and that's not blocked it. And I hit it, and I ran to the back. And what well, after I, I struggled. Because he must have knew that I was going to run to the back of the van, obviously. Because when I ran to the back, tried to run to the back, he grabbed me. He grabbed my hair. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he pulled me back. So I was struggling to get to the back. And finally, once I did finally get to the back and run to the back of the door, I was disappointed because there's a big-ass chain on that damn door in the lock. Man. I couldn't get out. Hmm. Ooh, Lord, have mercy. I'm telling you, man. I was disappointed. And then when I turned around back to the word transform, 
I immediately transform into self-defense mode. You did? Mm -hmm. I knew that my uncle taught me and, and the martial arts that I learned, my legs were like a machete. You know, my legs are like a machete. I, I throw them at you. They're going to cut you. Hmm. I know that. So that's what I did. I kept my back up against the uh, uh, van door because I knew I'd be safe that way. And I was talking to him, just let me out this van. You will never see me again. And Benita never see me again. And he go, you let me stick it in, bitch, and I'll take you home. No, hmm. you let me out this van. You won't see me again. He kept, you let me stick it in. No, we're not going to do that. Then finally, I had another choice because we was going around the van. Then finally, I threw a kick at his leg. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I, like I said, because I know them, I know that my legs are like a machete. They were trained this way. You did? Mm -hmm. Then I threw another kick in his leg and I, I, I weakened it. I chopped it. Okay. You did? Mm -hmm. You know? Then we was going at it. The next thing you know, he came to tackle me. Because what, what I did, I saw fear in his eyes. I threw a, when I threw the second kick, I threw a punch at him. You dig? Mm -hmm. And I kept moving around the van. So I wasn't standing still. I kept moving around and throwing kicks, keep him at a distance. You feel what I'm saying? And then that's when he came to tackle me like a football player. Mm -hmm. And when he did, he slammed me up against the, the, the van. But I grabbed, I knew what I was going to do because I'm a martial artist. I'm a martial, I'm a master. In martial arts, we learn to use gi against people. Their clothing against them. That makes sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yep. so we learned this here in, in martial arts. So that's what I did. I used his street clothes against him. I pulled his shirt over, wham, 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 swung him back, bam. I ran down, I pulled his pants over his shoes. I stepped on his chest and I grabbed his dick. And that's what I did. I had control of him from there. You understand? Mm. And that's when I said, where the keys at, mom? Then he said in my pocket, when I reached in, he had about a thousand keys. Wow. Wow. That's what I thought too. Which one? He told me. Unlock the lock. Unlock the chain. Dude, I'm going to tell you something. It was just an incredible experience. Eventually, I got out of there. I threw the keys. You know, so and this is what I told him, man. I said, listen to this here. If ever you street see me on the streets, what you going to do? He said, I'm going to say hi. I said, no, you're not. You're going to go the opposite motherfucking direction. I had his dick, his balls. No, you're not. Because I'm from the projects. I know how it go. <laughs> I see your ass on the street. You kick my ass, I see you on the street. I'm going to get you. You understand? Yep. No, you're not. You're going to go the opposite motherfucking direction. You hear me? Yes, yes, yes. He was literally begging me to get out because I had all of him here. Now, mind <laughs> you, mind you, I want to just keep it real with you. I uh -huh. told you I was raised around nine boys. You hear me? Mm -hmm. So this wasn't the first dick that I've ever grabbed. Mm -hmm. You understand? I just want to let you yep. know. Every last one of them, when they heard the story, all of them said, well, he got a taste of it. Because all of them did too. You That's the me? kryptonite. That's the kryptonite. That's right. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, but what I do know is when I got out the van, what I do know is that it was just a lot of fog. And my clothing were ripped off me and I had one shoe. I lost a shoe, you know, and it was a lot of fog. And I, and I saw these lights, tiny lights, mm -hmm. and I kept following the lights and falling because I didn't know where I was, you know. Right. And 
finally, as I got closer to the light, it was a cab driver. And I, 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 the cab driver took me home. He knew something had happened. He knew something devastating had happened to me. I, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, he just knew it because I was all messed up. My clothes ripped off me, everything. One shoe and shit. You follow what I'm saying? He knew it. And he took me home. When he took me home, I told him, hang tight. You know, I'm going to go and pay you. When I came back, he was gone. You know what I mean? So that was God sent. I called my mom, told my mom. And my mom said, did you fuck him up? I said, <laughs> you did. You better believe it. She said, good. She said, it's time for you to come home. So I called my grandma. And I told my grandma, it's like this guy tried to rape me in his van. My fam, my father's people had me on the next flight back to Philly. You understand? Mm. And it was just a crazy experience on the airplane because something ha- that experience had amplified a lot of things, everything in me. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I it mean, this is life amp- or death experience. Yeah, yeah, it had amplified. So everything was real big around me, like gigantic while mm-hmm. I'm on the airplane. Everything was super loud. I could hear people typing. You know what I mean? Way up top. Everything was amplified. And I'm trying and I'm trying to control myself, you know, but I'm feeling like I'm in the van fighting this dude. And you know what I mean? Yeah, it sounds like exactly what it is. Like that fight or flight response was still on. You know what I mean? Like, and your body was still like in that fight mode. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's wow. Um, and it, it is amazing that you got out of there. I don't, he didn't know that he was dealing with the baddest chick on the planet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, um, just, but yeah. who you were dealing with, this dude, uh, uh, Lonnie David Franklin Jr., I didn't even you know. know. Listen to me. Yeah. Listen to me. I didn't even know this guy was a killer, a serial killer to 15 years later. But this is what I want to tell you. Right. What happened when before I went back to Philadelphia, I called Benita. Mm-hmm. I said, Benita, your dude tried to rape me. She said, he's not my dude. I said, well, your buddy tried to rape me. And she got really quiet. She said, ooh. And I said, what? She said, oh, I've heard that before about him. I said, well, if you heard that before about him, why did you allow me to accept the ride from him? If you heard that before, why? Said you set me up. That's what I felt. Because if you notice something, you heard that somebody, everybody knows that every neighborhood got a child molester. Everybody know who the neighborhood child molester is. Hmm. You understand? Mm Mm-hmm. Everybody know that everybody, you know, everybody know who the neighborhood wino is and all that stuff. Everybody knows. So if you knew who this guy was, why didn't you tell me? That's what I felt. I felt like she set me up. How did she respond to that question? She just got, she just remained real quiet. You know, so she said he lied. She said, because they went to get him. Because like I said, I threw hmm. the keys. I, I, lo- I threw it, made sure that he didn't, I, lo- I lost them keys. That's crazy. So, yeah. Did you did you cut her off after that? Never saw him again. All right, good, good. <laughs> I never never saw him again. I never saw her again. And if I did, I don't remember her. And he never saw me again. You know, and if he did, he probably went the opposite direction. You know, I saw yeah. him again about 15 years later on TV. That's just probably blew me away. Hmm. Wild man. And and um, just from him too, like uh, you know, I was uh, looking into him, and a lot of people said, you know, he was a nice guy. And when we look at a lot of these serial killers, man, you know, they they they're you know they 
they they trick people very easily, like in regards to their personality. So people, yeah, people people will say like, yeah, he was you know very charming. He was nice. He was friendly. You know, so you know, seeing all of that, and then you're looking at this is a man that killed a hundred black women. That's not you know? charming. That's evil. Yeah, one hundred black women like that. That is major. Somebody wasn't doing their job. Exactly. Somebody wasn't doing their job to allow that to have happened. Period. So you can't blame nobody. Exactly. And 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 the thing is that typically when we deal with serial killers, we're talking about if they're killing women, is typically white women. You know. So that could have a lot to do with oh, these black women, like they need to do a better job of whatever it is. Like, you know, we get the blame for that. You know, women get the blame for that. And, um, you know, a lot of these things are not really investigated like that, you know? Yeah. So it was a long time until they actually caught him, you know? Years and, you know and years crazy? later, like you said, 15 years later after that incident. So yeah, and 15 crazy. years. He was right underneath the police's uh, nose all that time. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. Um, but yeah, man, just... Going back into, um, you know, your fighting career. Um, so as you are, you know, developing, you know, as a as a big time fighter, uh, you get this fight now against this girl named uh, Valerie Heenan, you know, it, yeah, um, who was, I guess, had that title as the bat, the, the uh, most dangerous woman the most, in the world, the most dangerous woman in the world. Uh, supposedly okay. she had a, she lost two times. I don't know how she was. The most right. dangerous, but <laughs> anyway, yes, my mom said, too. <laughs> She lost twice. How the hell is she the most dangerous woman in the world? Exactly, yeah. exactly. I um, am. But uh yeah, so you're you're about to fight her. Nobody's expecting you to do anything. You know what I mean? Um they got her ready for the David Letterman show. Um she has a modeling contract ready, you know. Um she has acting ready. Uh they put you into like this small little tiny room, no running water. <laughs> no, no, air. no air no air no air <laughs> not expecting anything it was obvious mm-hmm. and mind you they didn't know i was already a superstar mm. i know what superstar status is because i am one and that, that pissed me off that in fact that inspired me you did i do i do you know man <laughs> so so now you know fight fight begins and um you know everybody's seeing like yo you the real deal like you 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 bringing it to her you know what I'm saying? Um, and, you know, both of you guys are fatiguing and you guys are coming after each other and all that. And she tries to throw like this backhand and, you know, you you hit her you hit her first before she can get to it. And you hit her on the back of the head, um, which some people might think might be an illegal blow right there. But because she's moving, it's not illegal, right? Yeah, exactly. Because she threw a spinning back fist. OK, OK. <coughs> got it. Got first it. And martial arts. Mixed martial arts, kickboxing, UFC. We're allowed to throw spinning back fists. Mm-hmm. Now you, we take that chance, that risk of turning our back and get caught. Right, and that's exactly that's exactly what happened. Yep. Boom! Don't Knock ever turn out. your back on a cheater. <laughs> so, so talk to us about that moment, man. Like that, you realize, like, yo, I just beat the quote unquote most dangerous woman in the world. Like, she's not she's not coming back up. Like, what 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 went through your head at that moment? It wouldn't even matter just beating the most dangerous woman in the world. You know, um, I was all right. What people, like they said, you know, I was the best in Northern America, number one in Northern America. I was 11 and 0 with nine knockouts. So mm. she already had a 90% chance of getting knocked out anyway. <laughs> you understand? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That makes sense? 
Makes perfect sense. I was already 11 and 0 with nine knockouts. So she had a 90% chance of getting knocked out. That makes sense. She was 27 and 2. That makes I just knew that they put me in another tough fight. Mm. You know, and I was used to tough fights. Because mm. I come from I, I was I, my mom tough. You know, she had, I got washed dishes. That was a tough fight. <laughs> washed this stuff is basically washing dishes. You know yep. what I'm saying? Until I made it not so tough. <laughs> and speaking of your mom, man, like you get there's a picture of you raising your hand up and uh, you know, Valerie Heenan is knocked out and it's your mom's birthday at a time. Yeah, it's deep. Magical, that's deep. man. That's real magical. And your mom yeah, is mom, the one that grandma, put the confidence in you too before the fight. Yeah, so. my mom, my grandma, they both do. My family, I come from a very strong support system. Despite mm-hmm. the fact that we we're very poor, you know, and they didn't think much of, you know, our, our culture back then in the 60s and 70s. And then again, it was really popping back then as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but... um I just come from a great family support system. I come from very strong female authorities, black female authorities, and they're positive, you know? All right. Yep. Yeah. Indeed. And then and men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then now you you you're the champion with no belt, right? So you're like, yo, why don't I have a belt? So you right. call the you call the uh the oh, fight promoter, man. you know Jeez. what I'm saying? And you know, he he doesn't want to give you the belt without money. And he ends up hanging the phone up on you or what and whatnot. And I know you felt a certain way about that because that led to you, you know, kind of writing a poem, you know, because of that, like before you were able to pay and get that belt. So I was going to ask if you would, would, would you mind like uh, sharing that poem with us? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know, stories I called him because I was like, hey, wait a moment. I'm a world champion. I only have a world championship belt. So I <laughs> called the fight from and I was like, hey, look, what is my world championship belt? He said it wasn't in the contract. I said, but I'm your world champion. He said, you still got to pay for it. But they were so upset with me because I shocked them. You weren't supposed to win. According to them, I wasn't supposed to win. But what I told them, you don't know who I am. Hmm. You don't know my talents or anything about me or where I come from. But yet you thinking you put me up in here to lose. Tonight, Father, we are going to shock the world. You hear me? Mm -hmm. That's right. But uh, so, what was your question, Jim? Uh yeah, the, you wrote a poem. Like you know, you were emotional. Oh, the poem, at that yeah, moment the darkest color in the book. It's called "I'm Black and I'm Proud." That's what it's called. I'm black and I'm proud. The darkest color in the book is the color which I look. It isn't bright, but it shines. I'm proud. This color's mine. You hear the whisper. You hear them shout. That's the black girl who came here to get knocked out. Don't screw my race. Don't laugh in my face. Who suffered long and cried, yes, was my mama when she held me upon her breast. Not because I'm black, you see, but because she's proud of me. I'm black and I'm proud. Bam! Don't ever forget that. Indeed, indeed. Dope, dope. (laughs) You like that? (laughs) I like it. I like it, man. That was dope, man. And you know what? That's what poetry is supposed to do, man. Like, pick you back up after moments like that. You know, like, you're supposed to be champion of the world. First, black female champion, you know, of the world. Um, without they weren't ready. They ain't trying to get you a belt, you know? They weren't like, ready. <laughs> they weren't ready. It was a shock. Listen, it was really a shock. They had invested over 500-something thousand dollars. They really lost a lot. It was completely a shock. But it should. what they should have done is given everything to me. But because so you didn't get, you didn't get the money? Skin, huh? You didn't no, get the money? No, no, wow. no, no. 
No, no, no. My people's after I won, my people's like, you know, Denzel Washington and all the other people. You know, I had a, a, a publicist who worked for Motown. You know, they started coming out, you know, to me, like Tisha Campbell, Mark, all those people. My, my people started coming to me. You mm. understand? And mm-hmm. then God started putting me in their paths. And that's how that's how it all started happening. Wow. Man, man, I, I would have been so upset. Like, what, 500? Like, <laughs> oh, man. Um, so after that, you started doing, you did start doing some of the acting and the modeling, right? You did a, yep. did a, a, a show. I got her six-figure con- modeling contract. So I did get her six-figure modeling contract. Okay, okay. Um, what I did do, I, I did some uh, uh, acting with uh, Will Smith. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did. Uh, I started a, a women's boxing movie called Knockout. It's mm-hmm. called yeah, Knockout. And uh, I did a few commercials. And um, you know, like right now, because of the, I just did the video there on YouTube. We got over one point five million views. Yes, man. Yes, yes. Story. Yeah, that that was a, amazingly put together too, man. I was did getting chills. Watching. I was getting chills watching that, man. I'm like, really? You know, what I was part like, you like best, Chan? Um. Let me see. The I, I felt emotional about the uh, the part when you beat Valerie Heenan and then you were talking about your mom, what your mom said to you, and just I was I was had to pause a little bit, you know, wipe away a tear too. <laughs> but, hey, uh, we human. And then you know I have a track background too, man. So I was very I was really connected to you, you know, talking about running from your bullies and you know right. forming you know formulating who you were from there. Right. And I was just so impressed at the uh, the power in, you know, your fighting ability, like looking mm. at some of the fights that they showed and like these girls was just like, <laughs> it was like, uh, you know, like somebody, a superhero just, just hit them and they just like, poof, like <laughs> it right. was, uh, it was amazing to see, man. Um, and I was very yeah. inspired, like, and that, like, yeah. actually, that was the first thing I looked at that told me like, yo, I got to hit her up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh-huh. That got me hype, man. I was hype. I'm like, yo, I gotta hit her up. Like, if she don't say nothing, that's cool. But I, I gotta hit her up because I gotta have one. Oh, I appreciate her. that. <laughs> yeah, appreciate man. That. Thank you. Yeah. But yeah, I've I've showed it to some of my students, like, uh, and they 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 be, they been hype. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's uh, I'm definitely gonna be using that like going forward because I think right that on. that uh you know mini doc is just really inspiring, and a lot of times like you know we don't see that in black women, and it's like I think your your story is purposefully hidden. Um, in my view, because there's no reason in Women's History Month, in Black History Month, that we shouldn't know who you are. And we don't have posters of you all over the classrooms and things of that sort. And all the firsts, all the things that you've done, and we talk about firsts all the time. And, you know, it really upsets me, man. So I'm going to definitely put you out there, at least in my classroom. Man. Why do you think it was purposely hidden? Um, I think a Everyone lot of times. Everyone says that. Hmm? Everyone says that it was purposely hidden. I think a lot of times, like uh, things like that, are done because they want to, you know, have the the Martin Luther King and the Rosa Parks and have that synced into these kids' head that that's all that there was. There wasn't these elite, like thousands of black people that have done these amazing things. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I think that stuff is too much. Like it's too much. They don't want to show them that. They, they don't want them to be better. Exactly. They want to keep us down. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. But I'm promoting I'm promoting the cheetah all the way, man. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, let me share this with you. We already know we got our athletic star, our basketball stars. You mm-hmm. understand? We know we got our tennis people because of Venus and those those girls, you know? And we know I got a track. Mine brings the combat. 
You did? Right. All little girls, little brown and black boys, it's time to come back. This is something that's been in us from way before we, our, our, our ancestors. You hear me? Mm-hmm. We come from tribes. Bro, you feel what I'm saying? Yep. We're natural warriors. Period. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, I'm, I was just inspired, man. And part of the reason that this program exists is to highlight black people that are not generally on, um, you know, people's minds when they think about black excellence and greatness. Mm-hmm. And there is an overabundance of it. And I think people are not aware of that. So we're really trying to bring that to the light um, that there are black people all over the world that have done right. amazing things that are not in your history books purposefully and are not in your classrooms purposefully. Um, but we're going to bring them out. <laughs> yeah, thank <laughs> you. you. Know? Yeah, definitely. Indeed, indeed. Um, so, yeah, man. So after after that fight, man, things just started going well for you, man. You got the, the acting going. What was it like uh, being on that, you know, on the Fresh Prince with Will and then the movie? Um, you know, you shooting the movie. Like, what was it that was experience? Fun. It was hard work, and I'm accustomed to hard work. Mm-hmm. Okay? And it was fun, and I'm accustomed to fun. Mm. So it goes back to what my grandma was saying. I was doing what I love to do. And we all got to do what we love to do. But it was hard work. 15 mm-hmm. hours on a set, you know? Right. And one day, I never worked 15, I look, I never worked 15 hours in one day in my life. Now, was that with breaks? Like, how, how did that work? No, it was, it was, I was exhausted. <laughs> that was straight? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but you know what? But it was fun, but it was exhausting. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I understand why they get paid so much. There's so much repetition. (laughs) Listen, we do lots of repetition in sports. We do Robert Blood. You know what I mean? Actors do a lot of repetition. So -hmm. the process and the technique and the structure is pretty much the same. It's just different categories. Right. You know, different. Yeah. You know? Got you. Got you. All right. Um, I wanted to transition into a quick little game here, get to know a little bit more about you. It's called What's Your Favorite? Um, just identifying some of your favorite things. So you could be brief if you want, or you can uh, explain more in detail if you want. It's up to you. Um, so, you know, as an athlete, you've done pretty much everything. So in some of the different sports that you did, like what were some of your favorite sports moments? Like as a baller, as, you know, a boxer, we didn't talk about boxing yet, but as a boxer, as I know Valerie Heenan, the knockout, that was probably your, your, your best moment. And kickboxing. Um, yeah. That was- but for some of the other yeah. sports, what were some of your favorite moments that you look back on? And basketball, one of my favorite moments, I think it was more so spiritual. I'll never forget we were uh, playing in uh, uh, um, in Pennsylvania in high school. And you know how you have the scores like 98-98, okay? Mm-hmm. And here I am dribbling the ball down, and I got the ball. And I shot the ball to the court. Now listen to this, champ. I saw the ball go like this and then in the court like this and then move into and then shoot into the rim wow and that's exactly what i said oh <laughs> honey i just saw the ball move over to the left curve then come back over and go aim into and when i moved it i shot it poof mm-hmm. you did yeah wow man <laughs> I'll never forget that. I'm yeah. on a school. Look, everybody come over and run over and jump on me and everything. And I'm still thinking, wow. And on a bus, that was on a the bus. Beater? 
Yeah, exactly. And on the uh, bus going back home, back to school, I'm thinking, I saw that damn ball because I was off. You was thinking like, it, it, there's no way that's going. <laughs> and the ball, something came over and moved it over and it went straight in. Divine intervention, huh? <laughs> I tell you, oh, never man. forget as long as I live. What about on the track? Track and field? Yes, sir. I told yeah. you that one. That was that pen. That was that pen. That was that pen. Gotcha. <laughs> I'll never forget that one. Man. And right. listen, listen, I'll never forget this year. And prior to that, it was raining. I feel like um, it's always raining at Penn. <laughs> you know, exactly. It was raining. Yep. It, it's always raining. I was like, oh, man. And I get power from rest. Uh-huh. So I went ahead and took a nap. And when and what when I woke up, I heard the song, Ain't no stopping us now. Cause we on the move. And it just came on as we were walking to the uh, 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 uh getting our road to walk. And, I, and that song empowered me. Uh-huh. You hear what I'm saying? Yep. And that's I took that song and I that's what that that's what empowered me. I was mm. already empowered. When I heard that song, it just it was unbelievable. That's amazing, man. What about boxing? We didn't really touch on boxing yet. Uh-huh. Do you have a favorite bo- moment? Yeah, yeah. My one of my favorite moments in boxing is uh, Samaya Nani. We're good friends today. Now, mm-hmm. Samaya Nani is one of the greatest female boxers in the world. She beat Christy Martin. She mm-hmm. destroyed Christy Martin. And what happened? They didn't give Samaya Nani her her right dues. They went ahead uh, after she destroyed Christy. They went ahead and kept promoting Christy, which was wrong. She mm-hmm. lost promotes Samaya. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we can keep the sport going right because Samaya fight anybody. But the bottom line is one of my greatest moments is fighting Samaya and Nani in Texas for the world championship title. Now I bust that eye up and I bust up real good. And they said it was a draw. But I beat her. Mm-hmm. That was one of my greatest moments. And I'm okay walking away with the draw. But I know that I beat her because like I told her, look, how is that a draw? I walked in like this. I walked out like this. <laughs> you walked in like this. You walking out like this. <laughs> With knots in the head. <laughs> right? Come on now. Right? Oh, man. Mm. Okay. All right. Um, what has been some of your favorite lessons from some of the sports that you played? Have they been similar or uh, different from the different sports? You know, we learn different. Every lesson is different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As long as you know it's a learning lesson. As long as you identify that it's a learning lesson. That makes sense? Makes sense. Yeah. And, but every experience is different. So that's just the way I feel. Okay. Anything overall, like like just in sports that you learn that you trans transition into life with? Yeah. It's true when they say dreams come true. It's true. It's true when they say believe. It's true. It's But you also have to have that passion. You also have to have that desire. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's very important to li- become a master listener. 
I've learned that it's very important to understand and learn how to accept rejection because not everybody going to say yes to you. Hmm. Not everybody can handle rejection. Hmm. And rejection is very important to be able to handle. You understand? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I know when I was young, a lot of guys would ask me out. I tell them no, and they call me a bitch. Now, why I got me a bitch? Because I told you no. Because I'm hurt. Exactly. Because you. you can't handle rejection. <laughs> yep, yep. You know? So yeah. that's why it's important for people to learn, and I say all people, to learn how to train their mind to be stronger than their emotions. Right. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Um, what have been some of, I guess, your favorite female athlete or athletes? Um, the first know, one, like, obviously, is Wilma Rudolph. Ah, uh, okay. When I was growing up in the 60s, 70s, 80s, she was the only one that looked like me. Hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, I had Teresa Withers, I mean, Teresa, uh, Teresa Graves get Christy Love. I'm just saying. I don't know if you know who she was, but I had to get Christy Love. I don't know Christy Love. I'm ashamed. I'm Google. ashamed. I got that's okay. Google. Get Christy Love. <laughs> when I was growing up, I had Dr. J. In fact, okay. Dr. J. When they talk NBA, doc, and they type, talk Michael Jordan, they best best better have Dr. J. That he used to be in every conversation. Yo, you know what? Speaking of that, man, like we've spoken to quite a few people, and a lot of them mentioned Dr. J. Like when we talk about, just like personally too, like some people that personally knew him. I just talk about how great of a guy he was, man. Unbelievable. So yeah. eloquent, so intelligent, so articulate, so classy. Hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, you've traveled all over the world, man. Um, what has been like your favorite spot? My favorite spot? Mm-hmm. Amsterdam. Really? During the time. Amsterdam my favorite spot during uh, that you're time. A party, huh? <laughs> yeah, during that time it was. Gotcha. It was all about, yeah. I got gotcha. you. At the time. All right. Um, did you have like a meal, a favorite meal or favorite meal before or after competition? I know athletes get into like, yo, I gotta eat this before I compete, or I gotta eat this after, like right after. Right afterwards, I always had uh always had to have steak, broccoli, and potatoes. Okay. Yeah. Before did you eat? Like some people like, yeah, I can't really eat anything before competition or No, right? no, no. Um, you know, I was very my my situation was different. In the locker room, I always played music and I danced to it to calm me down. Mm. You understand? Mm-hmm. Now listen to this here. I never told anyone this here. However, when it was time for me to walk out, they knew they had a bucket. And I would regurgitate all my nerves and everything. I would wow. vomit in the bucket, bucket every time. All my life, it's been that way. That was just like, just from the uh, adrenaline? Like so, just- exactly. And once I did that, I was ready. Hmm. But they all knew, have a bucket ready before she comes, goes out. <laughs> and it was it was crazy. But I would be dancing, going through, just doing all kinds of crazy dances in there, just trying to loosen up in the locker room. That's from basketball to kickboxing to karate to boxing. Wow. Okay. Um, and basketball. So before it was time to go out there, had that bucket ready. Hmm. <laughs> it's crazy, huh? Now I know a lot of athletes that for some athletes it's like, yo, I gotta take a number two before every every competition. Right, right. So it's 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 uh, different for everybody, I guess. Yeah. With the nerves. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. What's been your favorite part about being a mother? 
um, teaching. You got you two know? babies, right? You got two yeah. little ones, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Teaching and educating and inspiring and disciplining and um, opening up their minds. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, helping them to believe in themselves. That's if I can said. do it, you can too. Absolutely. You know? Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. And, uh, you know, uh, the uh, pandemic has been really hard on a lot of us. Um, so I always ask people, like, what their favorite thing for their mental health has been, like, through the pandemic to do. Hiking. Hiking? I've been doing a lot of hiking. And I have, like, a um, a vertical a climber uh, here in my home when we were quarantined. Mm-hmm. So I went ahead and got a vertical climber. And I've been spending a lot of time with my vertical climber in my home, you know, just to keep me, you know, uh, physically and spiritually uh, fit. Keep mm-hmm. it busy. Gotcha. Gotcha. How about you? What have you been doing? Uh, I've been doing the Mastermind podcast. This has been actually therapeutic for me. Absolutely. Like, really? Yeah, man. Uh, just mm-hmm. talking to, I feel like I'm going out. Every person I interview, like, I feel like I'm like, we out here chilling. Like we just uh, good Yeah. Time. Conversation. Having you know some wine. Yeah, man. Um, so the program has been therapeutic for me. Um, just being with my kids, like valuing that time, like with my kids. Because right. generally, I'm like, all, I'm, uh, you know, throughout the uh, school year as a teacher and mm. doing other stuff, I'm all over the place. So it kind of really gave me time to settle in with my kids uh, and uh-huh. to just be home with them, man. And um, I, like, like really enjoy the process of their growth and development. Right. You know, like I've been able to see my son just grow and develop this past year. You know, he's, he? he's two years old, man. So those like him transitioning from one to two, like is completely different. Yeah, it is. And a lot of times because we're at work, we miss all of those times. You know, you pick them up at daycare and they tell you, yeah, he said this today and he said that. Uh And you're Uh like, man, I miss that, man. Like sometimes at daycare, they, you know, they know more about it than, you know, what's going Uh on than you do Uh because they with them more. So it's been good that, you know, they all been home. So we kind of really been diving deep into them and um, spending time with them. And it's been, it's been special. Yep. So that 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 was that's for me would would be what it is right there. Thank you for Sweet. that question. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so you got two year old and a uh, seven year old. Yes, ma'am. Yep. Yep. Two and seven. Awesome. Two like and that. Seven. Hey, your yeah. daughter's gonna be awesome. Appreciate it. Appreciate She's it. Gonna be awesome. And this is where you got started early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, man. Um, I think I believe like education is doesn't have a number. Like this is what it you're doesn't. supposed to learn at this age, and this is what you're supposed to learn. Throw mm-hmm. it up at them and see what they grasp. You know. Mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. yeah man so um for you um i know right now like you teach like uh you know self-defense and things of that sort and we were talking about this before too like so what do you think like for women and for girls like what do you think some of the biggest lessons um that they need to learn about self-defense and just protecting themselves from predators and people that can do harm to them well let me just put you this way we're all here for a purpose and we all have to protect ourselves that's just the reality self-defense unfortunately the weaker of the sexes are the women you know and the children there's a lot of um unfortunately a lot of human trafficking going on around here and kids being forced to do things people women being forced to do things against their will and children and girls etc but the bottom line to answer your question every child Male, female, listen to me. The white man's already doing it. They've been doing it for years. 
Mm. You hear me? Mm-hmm. Getting their kids into mixed martial arts. Mm-hmm. The Asian people been doing it for years. That's their culture. That's why they have so many millionaires. You understand? Mm-hmm. The Thais, they've been doing it forever. Our culture, everything's been mixed up and messed up and everything. Mm-hmm. But now that we're back in control, it is time for all African-Americans to get their children into martial arts, make sure they have great instructors to help them to build their confidence, their self-esteem, and to teach them discipline, what it's like to be a part of a team, T-E-A-M, together, everyone achieves more, and to teach them how to lead with their hands raised, and teach them how to lose, teach them how to handle rejection, and teach them early. Teach these little girls how to spar with these guys and fight, see them in their face when they're young. And go at them when they're young, see them there and fight with them and spar with them, challenge them. Same thing as being on a basketball court, playing with them against the bat on basketball court. Only difference, we sparring on the on, on the mat. Make sense? That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Taking notes, taking notes. It's important. And you guys, you girl dads, you already know how you're wired. Every girl needs to learn martial arts because she never know when she's going to meet her monster. Hmm. And when any event she does, she's ready. Period. Well said. Well said. All right. Um, so as far as like you, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that you're one of the top 10 female athletes ever, like of all time, you know, so you are like a vanguard for women's sports. Uh-huh. Um, so just what are your thoughts on the state of women's sports right now? And like, where would you like it to go? Like, My thoughts is uh, progress. It's not moving as fast as it should. And I think the reason why is because you got certain women in that position who are just not doing their job or just don't know what the front door they're doing. Like, for example, that NCAA chick uh, who was in charge there where they had the weights, women, college had a weight room, just sitting, little weights sitting there. She wasn't doing her job. She should have been fired, period. That's embarrassing. This is 2021. She slipped up. She got caught. Put somebody in those positions who is really passionate about helping women's sport to go to the next level, who's really passionate about having a system. You got to have a formula in order to help women's sports go to another level. Don't just go in there without a formula. Got you. And who's that Stop woman? hiring people without formulas. Bring somebody in there with a formula. Got you. Who's that woman you're talking about? I'm not familiar with that case. Um, I forget her name, but she's in charge of the NCAA um, uh, women's basketball Mm-hmm. Whatever it was, something that was posted all on TV and all on the internet. You gotta check that out. It had gone viral. You gotta check it out. All right. Um, all well, right. Tell so- her she need to be fired. <laughs> Post it. She need to be fired because she didn't do her job. She gonna talk about. Oh well, I you know I apologize. No, you need to be fired. Hmm. Get rid of her. Get rid of her. Yeah, I think I think definitely like uh, even at the middle school and high school level, like girls' sports are not taken seriously. They get the worst coaches and some of them barely have coaches that know the sport. They don't know much about it. And just it's not taken seriously at all, man. Like, I know I, I think just... it's changing. Let me tell you why. Because they're all looking for the next Serena Williams. They all looking for the next Freddie Gibbs. They all look for the next Marion Jones. They all look for the next Hussein Bolt. They're all looking for them. They know mm. they exist. They know. So it's changing. It has changed. So do but you our see parent? Yeah, what's that? Do I want? Oh, good, 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 good. Yeah. 
But our people, our parents, ain't no I can't afford it. Find a way. Mm. You can afford to buy damn cigarettes. Find a way to get that kid in class. Indeed. Indeed. So do you see a future where WNBA players don't have to play the whole year to make a decent income? The the the, the women's uh, soccer league, they don't have to beg and plead to make yeah, as much all money change. as the men. Yes, yeah, it's changing. Yeah, it's, it's changing. Everything takes time. Okay. God didn't build heaven and earth in one day. You know what I mean? Everything takes time. We don't become champions overnight. Got you. You understand? Yes. Got you. Got you. All right. So, um, you know, when the full length, the full length movie documentary of Fredia Gibbs comes out, um, what are some things that you definitely don't want missing? You want that there about your life, what you stood for, who you are, your legacy. What are some things you definitely want included in there? My connection with God. The fact that God is always first in my life. You understand? Mm. And that when I speak, I speak from the bell of truth. You understand? Mm. And that I'm fully aware that when I speak, I come with the bell of truth. I'm fully aware that I am able to irritate people's demons. You understand? But it is what it is. But I want them to know the truth. And I also want them to know that, you know, uh, out of all the hell and negativity and adversity that we all encounter, you can still make it on top. But you well got to have a will. Well said, well said. All right, man. It has been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so yeah. much for the time, man. Do you think you can leave us with one more thing? Uh, possibly sure your favorite quote? That means Absolutely. And what it means to you? Absolutely. If someone says it can't be done, smile and then reply. Maybe it can't, but I won't be the one to upset someone until I tried. I grew up in a very poor atmosphere where, you know, but we were happily poor. But I grew up around people always telling you what you can't do. You understand? Hmm. You ain't going to be nothing. You ain't going this, that, and the other. Well, you know what? Maybe you said I can't, but I'll find out when I try. You understand? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And they call haters. Prime example. <laughs> Prime example, champ. Uh-huh. Guy walks up to me and he says to me, hey, you're not allowed to have curtains in your apartment. What's it to you that I have curtains in my apartment or not? That's a call a silent hater. Right. Yep. You got to listen to the words that come out of a person's spirit, out their mouth. Mm-hmm. You hear me? Yep. That makes sense? He Perfect. just had a conversation with someone who just said, I don't like the fact that she got cool, cool curtains in her crib. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, for example. Uh, you are right. You are right. Um, man. Again, it has been a great experience, man, just listening to your life's work. And it, it's an honor to really, you. you know, to be able thank to interview you, you. And thank yeah. you for coming through. Thank um, if anyone, you know, is interested, maybe they got a book report to write about your story or whatever it is that they want to oh, find yeah. you, ask you some questions or, um, you know, anybody that just wants to follow kind of the work that you're doing now and what you're going to be doing in the future, where can they find you? Okay. Pretty simple. I am free to the cheetah Gibbs. On Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. I'm pretty easy to find. And also, you can find me on Amazon, too. I am Frida Cheetah Gibbs. The Frida Gibbs story.
yep. Amazon book. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me, champ. I really appreciate it. Indeed. And indeed. Uh, make sure you text me the address. I want to get that to your daughter. That book. Oh, I'm in that backpack. How nice are you? Okay. Definitely. We'll do. We'll do. Um, guys, uh, it has been a pleasure. Uh, we are sitting in history right now with one of the best female athletes of all time. Uh, show your due respect and share with everybody because everyone should know the name Fridia Gibbs. All right? There's no reason that we should not know that name. Going Thank you. Um, so please share. And as always, remember, your mind is the most powerful tool in the universe. Therefore, if you can think it, you can do it. If you believe in it, you can be it. And if you fight for it, you can have it. The world is yours. This has been your host, Mr. G, and I will see you next time on Mastermind. Thank you, Mr. G. God bless, champ.